0: Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. If you are a return listener, I'd be grateful for your rating or review. And if you dig this episode, give us a like or share. And now, whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place. My guest this episode is a mindfulness and performance expert. He has worked with NBA teams and coaches for many years, most notably coach Phil Jackson with the Bulls and Michael Jordan and the Lakers with the late Kobe Bryant. Kobe had this to say about our guest. He said, he helped me understand the art of mindfulness to be neither distracted or focused, rigid or flexible, passive or aggressive. I learned just to be. He is also the author of The Mindful Athlete. You can enroll in his online course, The Mindful Athlete, as well at his website, georgemumford.com. You can find his book linked up here as well. Welcome to the Elevate podcast, the legend, Mr. George Mumford. How are you doing today, George? I am. I am amazing. How are you? (laughs) I am amazing. I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, I've been wanting to have you on for a long time to share some of your wisdom and your story. So pumped to have you on today. Yeah, I'm pumped to be here. Good, good. Well, I myself have, you know, had the pleasure of reading uh, The Mindful Athlete, your book. It's linked up here to the podcast for those that are listening. But those who may not have had the chance yet or may not know some of your story and your journey, could you briefly tell us a, a little bit of, you know, background in basketball and your life and how it kind of brought you into mindfulness eventually in your journey yeah so being an og i I have
1: to simplify because i've been around for a minute so i was i played basketball competitive basketball through high school and and i went to college and um and i would have been a walk-on when i got injured and that that changed everything but i had you know i got pretty much got addicted to payments because I was always injured, uh, injury prone because of the stress and everything. Mm-hmm. Then I got, um, then I had, it ended up having an issue with, with illegal drugs and alcohol. And then, I uh, I was functional. So I continued to work, uh, you know, to do work and stuff. But at some point it got, it became, I had it controlled me and I went into recovery with a, to a uh, treatment center for 21 days. And then when I came out, I re- realized I still had the chronic pain and I had to learn how to manage the pain without using drugs and or illegal drugs, but also prescribed drugs. It just, I wanted to minimize that or not get addicted to drugs because I had uh, chronic pain. So I, I went into this HMO. I was part of this HMO and they had this program called stress management. And so I learned about the mind body process and about meditation and yoga and basically the mind body uh, modalities like Tai Chi meditation, And also was fascinating is for me to take responsibility and learn about my mind and body, learn about everything. So in other words, I was more, I got a, my lifestyle change included me being more actively involved in my and the treatment of my of my chronic pain as well as my ongoing development yeah so i i adopted this model that basically said that you can be at the neutral point where there's nothing wrong and you don't have to do anything or you can understand that that's just the beginning that the idea is to move towards more levels of wellness physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, so that I was doing these things uh, that were consistent with like, you have a, you have a, I have a checking account. And if I write checks without making deposits, it's going to bounce. So the idea is to continue to make um, deposits to the wellness. So the idea is to get as much wellness as I can. And so not only get out of the neutral zone, and not get into the the zone where you have, uh, you know, disability, you know, you have illness, disability, and death moving in the opposite direction, moving towards life, moving towards more levels of wellness, where I'm actually continuing to expand my capacity, my potentials, getting in touch with my potentials, but the idea is to keep moving towards higher and higher levels of wellness, so that when stress does happen or when things do happen, I can write a check and it won't bounce yeah it's there for you it's there for me So that's how i got into it and it's because my you know because i i had the need and and it wasn't just that i needed it i wanted it and so and then it went from just helping me deal with my chronic pain and my substance abuse to
0: thriving and and really pursuing excellence and wisdom and wanting to share it with other people it led you to an amazing journey of sharing that and impacting so many others through mindfulness you've had the opportunity to work with some of the legends in basketball um michael jordan and kobe will throw those two out uh is there a lesson in your time maybe if not those two others that you learned in working with some of the great athletes in, in, in this mindfulness space something that you learned from them Yes.
1: Well, we start off with uh, sometimes it's, it's interesting because I, I met this priest. His, his name was Matthew Fox, and he he really got into trouble with uh, with the Dominicans. He was a Dominican priest because he wrote a book called "The Original Blessing," mm-hmm. and and what I have learned is the especially to myself that I have a masterpiece, a divine spark, Christ consciousness, Buddha nature, Quan Yin, and it's whatever you want to call it. That we have, we have these uh, unlimited potentials inside of us that can be developed, and that only they can be developed by us as an inside job, as an inner game. And to the degree that you develop that those unlimited potentials we have, or the latent abilities, if you will, that will that will reflect be reflected in our performance in our life. That the more we develop them, the, the higher. The more elite our performance would be. So, working with someone like Kobe and, or Michael or anyone, it could be a um, elementary school uh, athlete or elementary school person, nine or ten that I'm working with. And it's all about how you are reacting and responding to life. And the idea about understanding that we have this ability; we're wired for success. It's just a matter of whether or not we develop it. And that's an inside job. That's you know, mindfulness and psychology, philosophy, whatever, uh, getting teaching and direction and guidance from others. You don't have to do it yourself. That we have this ability to take a step it a roadblock and make it into a stepping stone. And that's what I did with my recovery. So that's the lesson to learn is that those, those guys had struggles. But uh, like I like to say, it's no struggle, no swag. So <laughs> people come in with swag without having earned it. But real swag is from being able to overcome, to embrace your success, I mean, your successes as, as well as your, your mistakes and the challenges or difficulties that we encounter actually become stepping stones to get into a higher level of, of, of uh, living more creatively and fully, uh, a higher level of performance where you're
0: embracing it and you're saying yes to it and it's, you're failing up. Yeah, I, was, I always like to tell athletes, you know, the struggle creates your strength. I, I like the yes. struggle creates your swag. I like yeah, that. no, no struggle, struggle, no swag. I like that. I got joy. swag. I earned that. I <laughs> like it. I love it. Um, one of the things you, you talk about in the book, and I don't want you. Uh, spoil it too much for people that want to go out and read it but maybe if you could just touch on uh, I think the the five superpowers that you get into more detail in the book but can you just kind of talk about each of those five briefly
1: yeah so the five superpowers sometimes I I refer to it as like having a, a a wheel and you have a hub and then you have the spokes and mindfulness which is which is this ability to see clearly like mirror mind it just reflects what's in front of it no distortions, no interpretations, just the raw data, that we have to get to a place where we we have this ability, we have this ability to st- step back and observe our experience, awareness, certain kind of awareness that is uncritical, just observe what's there. And then from that 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 awareness, we're able to use insight or intelligence or information sometimes I call it as a direct experience or intuition that we have these things. So mindfulness helps us cultivate what I call the five superpowers, which I think about as having your own power plant or access to power. And so they are mindfulness is the first one. I talk about mindfulness, but I can also talk about concentration, uh, insight or wisdom, uh, effort and trust. And so there's the, the five superpowers and they interact with each other. So mindfulness helps us cultivate it. So in order for me to be able to be present, to be able to listen to you and have a conversation with you, those five superpowers are interacting. So the first thing is I have to have the mindfulness which is presence of mind being in the moment, but also the concentration of like the one thing, be here now focusing on what we need to do, but I need to have the information. What are the principles involved in listening or having a conversation? So I have to know what the essentials are. And so for mindfulness, for me to be mindful, the the essentials are to be in the moment, to be here now, but also to understand how to do that. So how do you do that? You do that by focusing and, and refocusing on the moment. So the mind gets wanders off or gets distracted. We need to just remember, Oh, what am I doing now? Uh, This thing I'm here, be here now. And, and understand what you're doing. Also understand what, why you're doing it, what's your intention. But the main thing is, but all of that doesn't happen unless you have trust or faith, unless you have confidence that says, okay, I can be mindful. Right. But to be mindful, I have to make the effort. I have to be able to, move through lethargy or move through doubt or something that says, well, you know, it's not gonna work or, or you know, um, Tyler's not gonna listen to me, you know, or the audience that doesn't wanna hear what I have to say. So I have to understand that I have to have the confidence that says that, yeah, I can be, I can speak and people will hear me and I have an idea of what it is I wanna talk about. So these, these values of concentration is pretty simple. People know you got to be locked in. So be here now and focus on what you're doing while you're doing it in the moment. We know that the effort to do that, that's a little bit nebulous because you're not doing it, but you have to stay consistent and you have to do it in a way where you have a little enough confidence to make the effort. So you got to have a little to make the effort, but you have to be mindful to see if am I trying too hard? Or am I not trying hard enough? and being able to understand that we have to regulate that. You know, when I'm trying too much, I need to ease back. And if I'm too eased back, I have to bring more energy in. So you have this idea of concentration, of being focused, yet effort, trying to do it, but not trying too hard, not, not trying hard enough. If, t- if I have too much effort, then I'll be frenetic, unless I balance the effort with concentration or poise of just being in a moment. And then i have this balance and so if i have too much trust but i don't have the insight or i don't have the information or the know-how i can't verify it then it's Pollyannaish. but if i have too much this is mostly what we do today is we have too much information so we become cynical we don't have enough trust oh i can never do this this is really hard and you know so-and-so could do it but you know i'm not I don't have the body type. I don't, you know, I don't have the experience and you can talk yourself out of it instead of bringing faith and say, no, you can learn it. You know, you, you have this ability to learn whatever you need to learn, but you have to be willing to pay attention and, and to embrace your errors and learn from them to make mistakes and not identify with the mistakes, but realize the mistakes are opportunities for you to learn something. And it's the growth mindset. What's the lesson here? What do I need to change? What do I need to learn? And so I'm not into this, well, I'm not a good person or whatever, or I'm too fat or too slow, or I don't look right. It's really more about your effort. So your effort is getting you the results. So you can say you're this kind of person or that kind of person, but the effort and the attitude you bring to whatever you do is going to give you a certain experience. And so if you're interested in having a great experience, then you have to have a great attitude and bring an effort that is constant, consistent, but also in a relaxed ease and a joy, have a little, at least a, a little enthusiasm yeah. to really bring it there. So to summarize it, to be mindful, I need to use the right effort. I need concentration. I need the faith to even even uh, think about it, but I also need to know what's the, the, what's the essentials. I need to have the information. To do it, so mindfulness without knowing what am I being mindful of—the time or what I'm doing. So, from listening, I have to be mindful of the fact that I probably need to listen more than speak, and then listen to the person un- unfiltered, and then respond to what is being asked in a way. But in order to do that, I, I have to have the faith, and I have to I have—I have to make the effort. I have to have the information, and I have to be mindful. But it's really balancing those things, trying, but having some stability or some poise, some steadiness of mind.
0: Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Yeah. Like one of the other uh, dichotomies you, you bring up in the book I, I love that you talk about is uh, with our nervous system, you talk about the break and the accelerator. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's a concept that a lot of athletes, if they're listening, can, can kind of relate to that. Can you talk a little bit about the break and the accelerator?
1: Yeah, so I'm really talking about, I'll get a little technical here a little bit, but I'm, I'm really talking about the autonomic nervous system. Yeah. So it has two aspects. One is the the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. So if we look at it as a right-handed person like I am, so the, the sympathetic is the like the words of the song. It's the left brain. It's, it's you know, one plus one equals two. And, and that is also where you have the fight, flight and freeze is actually the reptilian brain. So you either you get revved up to fight or to flee or to kind of freeze or be paralyzed. And so the idea is that we have, that's one of it. The other part of it is that's the the accelerator. So you can stimulate, you can, you can generate the energy to meet things. And we need that. We need to be able to, you're walking across the street, the car comes, you need to be able to jump out of the way so you don't get hit. Um, but then the parasympathetic is is the rest in the digest, right? where the fight, flight, freeze, the rest in the digest. Or what I say being uh, in um, growth mode, where it's the melody of the song, it's seeing the, the big picture. And there's an ease and there's a knowingness that comes out of that. But the challenge is this left brain is is constantly controlling things. And unless we can be still and know, or we can direct our attention to one thing where this stops being so active and then the right brain has more opportunity so that we can have more of a balance kind of a thing. So we can train ourselves to be in rest and digest because when we're in the fight, flight or freeze, what happens is all of the adrenaline and all of the blood goes to the big muscles to fight or flee so let's say I just finished eating breakfast. So when I go into fight, flight, or freeze, now that food's not being digested, I get GI problems <laughs> and it affects my immune system. So my body's unable to, to fight off disease, uh, mentally, uh, the middle mid freezes. So even though I know what to do, and I have information, I don't have access to it because yeah. it's just, everything is just, in high alert and on a cellular level, we're either in growth mode or survival mode. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually in survival mode. Mm -hmm. And so when we're performing and then we have doubt come in or we have some, we're not confident, then we go into this where we actually, they call it choking sometimes because we're actually not breathing, we're waiting to exhale and we're choking off our talent, we're choking off our ability to be present Mm -hmm. and to see what needs to be seen and then make real-time adjustments to that so everything we learn we practice it can go out the window if the mind gets hijacked mostly hijacked and and we don't get there so we want to train ourselves to be more in the rest and digest so that we can actually have the prefrontal cortex direct that energy so we're using effort but we're the effort is with a purpose there's an intelligence to it there's like we have an intention and, and we have the understanding of this is what when it's When I make a mistake, can I in real time change my behavior or my whatever it needs to be changed so that I'm getting the result I want? But unless I have this, if I'm in fight, flight, or freeze, I'm so busy reacting, there's no space between stimulus and response. And when I'm in the rest and digest, there's space. And in that space, I get the freedom and power to choose. So we actually slow things down. So instead of reacting to things, we respond to them by pausing, looking at it and understanding what's there so that we know exactly if we have an intention and we know what a right effort is or, or what a skillful effort is or what a wise decision is. Like, okay, if I'm moving forward and, and I get stuck, how do I get unstuck? So you have to, instead of trying to force it, we have to pause and say, okay, so what's the obstruction and how do we remove it? Or maybe we just need to move around it or we need to step over it. But we need to be able to pause and ask, well, what is this, and what's the best way for me to navigate this roadblock? Do I go around it? Do I go over it? Do I go to the left? Do I go to the right? But we have to acknowledge, oh, there's a roadblock there, and my intention
0: is to get beyond it. Yeah, it's it's an obstacle, not the end, right? It's just it's just it's 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 uh, it's a struggle yeah um one of the quotes that you share i think is by rollo may in the book and i think you know doing the inner work and the things we talked about takes takes courage i think on my journey when i started to get into meditation you, you feel a little silly you know as a, as a former athlete and what am i doing and then you start to see some benefits and, and see the tools of it but the, the quote about courage and it said just as one's heart by pumping blood to one's arms, legs, and brain enables all other physical organs to function. So courage makes possible all the psychological virtues. Can you talk about how courage can help us pump up some yes. of those other virtues?
1: Yes. yes. Cause if you're in a fight, flight or freeze, you're locked up and you're not moving forward cause you don't see a way forward. And so you don't have the courage, because his interesting thing. Um, and this is something that Victor, uh, uh, was the, psychi- uh, the um, Soren Kierkegaard said that one side of the coin is freedom, the other side of the coin is uncertainty or anxiety. And so anytime, and Rollo May also, was it Rollo May? No, this might have been Eric Frome. He said that whenever we decide to change, uh, a habit even when we brush our teeth or you know what our routine is around anything we mobilize anxieties and we need courage to say yes this this is uncomfortable this is unpleasant yes and I'm going to incrementally just move a little bit beyond it get a little bit get comfortable being uncomfortable move through the anxieties and by moving through the anxieties now they become, instead of being a, a something that we're kind of resisting, we embrace it, we move through it like walking through a door and by moving through it, we get stronger and it allows us to do all of those other virtues that we're interested in. Because if you don't start, if you don't step forward or if you don't move in a direction, if you don't embrace what's in front of you, say yes to it and how am I gonna relate to it in that space between stimulus and response so that I achieve my goal, That is what happens. So without the heart, without the movement, without the ability to embrace the the discomfort or the unpleasant or the uncertainty, to embrace uncertainty, ambiguity, um, complexity is to say yes to it and to learn from it. What is this? How do I move through it? So you need that courage and that makes everything else possible. Without courage, nothing's gonna happen. You can just sit back and be in the fight, flight, or freeze and just be paralyzed and not be able to move forward. It's only by opening the heart and being vulnerable that we're able to learn and to move forward and realize, oh, it's I assume there's going to be a certain thing. I think it was Mark Twain who talked about all the things he worried about that never happened. Yeah. <laughs> so it's that. So yeah. it's, it's the heart and the heart, the heart open. And breaking open and being able to say, "Okay, I'm going to say yes to it," and see how I can relate to it in a way
0: that I learn, that I get empowered. Because yeah. there's something for me to get here. Yeah, you said one you of that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I love it. The um, you said one of my magic words. I love to hear. And it will pivot topics a little bit. You said vulnerability. Yes. Um, I always believe you know, being vulnerable is one of the gateways to being a a good leader. And you know, mm-hmm. being relatable. Can is there a, a time or uh, working with athletes or that comes to mind where you've kind of witnessed that you don't have to name any names or people, but where vulnerability created a better connection for leaders to lead? Yes, I can talk from my
1: my own experience of when I think yeah. about yeah, that. just just a vulnerability to admit that you're wrong. Mm. You make a mistake and say, my, my bad, I made a mistake, and and I apologize, and, and I'm going to do something about it. I'm actually going to learn from it. And that's why I think a lot of us fall down is we don't, the vulnerability, and Brene Brown has done a lot of research mm-hmm. on vulnerability, the power of vulnerability. When we're, when we're vulnerable and we can say that I'm like I'm, I'm human, I make mistakes, but I own them and I learn from them. That's being vulnerable because a lot of people feel like if I'm a leader, I have to be perfect and I don't make mistakes and I'm not, don't make mistakes. I've made mistakes in the past, but not now. Instead started realizing what well, things are, what they call the military, calls VUCA, V-U-C-A. From moment to moment, things are volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. and ambiguous. So we have to understand that when that happens, we say, okay, I don't know. It's, it's humility. It's saying, I don't know, but let's see. How do we learn it? So when I was when I went to graduate school, uh, it was 13 years after I graduated from from uh, my got my bachelor's degree. And I went to this this school called Cambridge College in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And what was fascinating about the faculty there was we would go in and we would explore the the unknown like in star trek you know star trek they talked about the undiscovered country you know go to, to where no man has gone before yeah. and and it was like and they would say oh okay they had this sense of curiosity and fascination like okay so how do we do this so they were admitting that they didn't know but we could explore it and investigate and learn together yeah and so that's the vulnerability to say i I don't know. Let's see. I don't know. Let's see about that. Or I'm interested. I know a little bit, but let's investigate. Let's explore. Let's seek to understand. See, that's the the willingness to say, okay, this thing about Columbus, well, maybe he's not the best uh, (laughs) one to talk about it, but the earth is flat. If somebody went beyond that, that took courage. You know, sure. you know, to, to go into undiscovered country. I mean, yeah. we, we've done that with a lot of stuff, but now in the inner space, uh, to to go through for me to say, I don't know what it's like, me going to graduate school or studying psychology. I don't even know the lingo. I had to get a lexicon. It helps me with the with the terminology, mm-hmm. so that I can develop a different terministic screen, so I can see things through the lens of a psychologist. Mm-hmm and 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 that sort of thing versus i haven't been a financial analyst and looking at business stuff and analyzing things yeah it that to analyzing people especially myself and groups and and group dynamics and that sort of thing so it takes a certain level of vulnerability to
0: say i don't know and i want to learn yeah i think it's great I- like, like you kind of mentioned there, I think it just opens the door to learn together. Yes. Yes. The secret yeah. that you don't know, but not knowing is a way of knowing. Great teams that learn together will usually succeed yes. together. Yeah.
1: What, what uh, Joseph Campbell said in the power of method to know he who thinks he knows does not know. And he who does not know knows. Mm. And so that's the, the thing there is by not knowing you get to know because you're open and you'll learn. Yeah.
0: So we uh, got two more questions for you, George. One, if you could wake up tomorrow, we wave a magic wand and every little athlete, pro athlete, wannabe athlete wakes up tomorrow with one of the superpowers. What superpower do you want them to wake up with tomorrow? It's interesting. Mindfulness. What what would
1: that do for him? See, here's the interesting thing. When I talk about the superpowers, you can't have one without having them all. Mm. Where well, one is, they all are. So you need mindfulness to cultivate uh, focus or to be in the moment, non-distractibility. Yeah. You need you need the faith. Be mindful that you don't have enough faith. You have to get more faith, mm. right? So you get more faith. And then the mindfulness says, well, you have too much faith, you have to verify it. Then you need more insight. And so to be so you need to, you need to have all of these. So to develop, it's called the Satipatthana Sutta, or the or the four four foundations of mindfulness. And in that to develop uh, mindfulness, you have to have all of those. You have to have the ability ability of being mindful, clearly knowing. Uh, uh beyond uh, uh desires and discontent that 's that 's um concentration and diligence the right effort so it tells you here 's how you develop mindfulness through you know diligence um, non distractability uh clearly knowing what you 're being mindful of and and then and then the faith is not there, but it's implied. You have to have the faith to make that. So, in order to be mindful, if you're mindful that you're not making the right effort, if you're mindful that you have too much, so that that that's the that's the hub. So the no, mindfulness it's, it's, is the hub of everything.
0: It, it's your magic wand, George. So we can give them all five. It's your magic wand.
1: Yeah, so I'm saying, <laughs> but the one that you have, yeah. but it's Let's but got to have the, that. Yeah, so the one thing is, but it, but it is an interesting thing. The magic one is really that you have a masterpiece, but you need, a, you need to develop it.
0: Yeah.
1: And so the mindfulness makes all that, or this ability to sit back and observe our experience yeah. and understand, you know, we have this ability, but these superpowers are, if one is there from concentrated, from focus, I'm focused because I'm making the right effort. I have the, the, the trust to make the effort, I know exactly what it is that I, you know, the insight, the information, the clearly knowing what it is um, I'm doing and, and why I'm doing it, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and just letting things cause you're interacting with the moment uh, being in the moment, but interacting in the moment and knowing how to see the moment in a way where you can flow with it. You can be with it in a way where you're able to uh, self-regulate or to make choices and to do what you need to do. So, it's the, you know, I would give them the five superpowers and mindfulness being the hub of that. But if you have one of the superpowers, all of the superpowers are there because they interact. It's just that one will be more in the forefront
0: and everything else will be in the background or in the down low. That makes yeah. sense. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. One other idea and last question, like to explore the idea of success. What What is success when you think about Yes. Well, there's a gentleman
1: that I've been listening to even before I got into recovery. I used to read this stuff. His name, name is Earl Nightingale. Obviously, he's, he's an OG. So he's, he's dead and buried, but his, his words live on. He wrote a book called The Strangest Secret, and it ended up being just a little thing for salesmen, but it, it ended up being this little book. And in that book, The Strangest Secret, he has a definition of success. And it's the best definition of success that I like that is because it's really applicable. Success is the is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal or goal. It's a progressive realization of a worthy ideal or goal. So we have this idea that we have to be ha- uh, we have to be successful to be happy. And the research says we're happy, then we're successful. So making steps in the right direction is is of progression and you're being successful each moment that you are moving in the right direction. So that now you have that happiness, that joy, that fulfillment that that leads you towards the goal. And so the goal is like, and I think it was uh, Scopenhauer, one of the philosophers talks about the idea or somebody was talking about that we think that the destination is the real thing. But when we get older, we realize it's the journey not the destination. And so that's another way of just how do you make a thousand, start a thousand mile journey or go on a thousand mile journey by taking the first step. Yeah. So it's keeping it real, keeping it in the moment because that's the only time we have is this Mm -hmm. moment. So if you are moving in the right direction, you're making progress, but it's usually a zigzag. You get off, you get back on, but progressive realization of a worthy goal or ideal is, a great definition of success.
0: Thank you for listening. If something caught your ear as useful or unique this episode, we would love your help spreading the Elevate message. You can find me on Instagram at Elevate, Educate, Rejuvenate. That's with the numeral instead of the A-T-E. Thank you again, and if I can help you with anything, please reach out. And don't forget, go elevate others.